Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. You know, there are times when you may feel alone, especially during this pandemic, everybody being locked down at home. But it's nice to remember that we are never alone. Stand with me if you would.
Good morning. We welcome you to Good Shepherd. Always so good to see you here today. Uh, I want to share with you a psalm, Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain, and I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with an iron, a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he may become angry, not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, as the scripture admonishes, we come into your presence this morning acknowledging as Lord, as King, as God of all creation, as Lord over all the nations, Lord, as Lord and head of this church, and as God and Savior of our very lives. And we humble ourselves before you, and we, and we look to you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, we pray that your will would be done in world rather than ours. And Lord, as we look at our world in turmoil, as we look at the, the difficulties that we face as a nation, Lord, we can only cry out to you and ask you to intervene, to show us mercy. God, to, to move upon the hearts of people, to cause us to see our need of you and to recognize you and, and to repent of our sin and to turn back to you. Lord, we, we ask you to, to grant to us repentance. We need to repent. And Lord, we, we pray that today that we might be able to come before your throne, and that we might be able to worship with sincerity of heart, that we might be able to uh, find here in this place a sense of, of peace and of grace that you would minister to the to the people that are gathered here, to the people that are watching from home today, that you would uh, pour out your, your blessings upon our lives so that we might be obedient to you and that, God, that we might be instruments that you can use to bring about your healing, your salvation in this world. And so we commit the time 
to gather today in this service to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we invite you to continue worshiping with us this morning.
Well, it's always good when the uh, lenses fall out of your glasses just before you reach text. Well, we are uh, continuing our study this morning in the book of Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 6. The, the title of the message this morning is Scared to Death. Now, you may think that sounds overly dramatic, but I assure you that it's not, as we shall see. And we want to read our passage today, and I think you'll see that it is rather terrifying. Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. Revelation 6, verse 12. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its ripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide from us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Let us pray together. Our Father, we come this morning asking for your spirit to direct us. I I pray that you would enable me to speak in such a way that your people would be benefited by this passage, that I could explain it correctly and Lord, in a way that your spirit can take it and use it in the hearts and minds of those that are listening. We certainly pray for the encouragement of believers. And Lord, we pray today for those who have never come to faith in you, that today that you would grant to them repentance and faith, and Lord, the assurance of uh, spending eternity with you. And so, Lord, we pray this now in the name of Christ. Amen. As we've been making our way through the book of Revelation, we saw that in chapter 5, a significant event occurred. We saw God sitting on the throne, holding a scroll sealed with seven seals. And the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and he took that scroll out of the hand of the Lord, of God, and he begins to open that seal. That seal, that scroll, contains the title deed to creation. And he's going to unroll it, and he's going to open a series of events in which he's going to begin to take back all of creation for himself. Uh, In the graphic that you see above, uh, there is uh, this full unfolding is occurring in that seven-year tribulation period. And there are several names for this seven-year tribulation. Uh, One in the book of Revelation, as you can see, is called the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world. In the Old Testament, it's called the time of Jacob's distress. Also, Daniel's 70th week. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's called the day of the Lord. 
And in the passage that we read today, it's called the great day of wrath. And during this time, the lamb begins unrolling the scroll, breaking the seals, and he does so because he has the authority as the heir of all creation to do so, and as God, he has the power to do so. So in the vision that John sees in uh, Revelation chapter 6, the, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, begins to unleash judgments upon the earth. And there are several of them as he begins to take back from Satan and the usurpers in this world uh, to him, the creation to himself. Uh, as we look at this, I'll just be reminded that the first force that we saw was a false peace. Secondly, that followed that was war. War follows, uh, then following war is famine and then death. These are natural consequences of, of war and these judgments. And then we see that in the, uh, the fifth seal it is characterized by the prayer of the people who are martyred for the cause of Christ during the, revel, uh, during the uh, tribulation. And they are lifting up prayers for God to bring vengeance. So that is the force that is unleashed. The force that is unleashed here in this sixth seal is fear or terror. Now, terror is, a, is an overwhelming emotion that can take control of our minds and, and cause us to do some irrational and strange things. Fear can create all kinds of responses. I mean, you, it can make you be a coward or it can make you into a, a hero. Uh, it, can, it can move you from weakness to strength or it can move you from uh, passivity to aggression. It can move you from uh, reason to confusion, from, from clarity of thought to sheer panic. Fear can do a lot of things in our lives. Now, uh, terror can make your heart beat faster or it can stop it dead. You can be scared to death. Fear is a normal part of our lives. God has given us the capacity to fear certain things for the sake of self-preservation or for the protection of others. It's normal to fear disease or injury or loss of money or resources or even to fear death. And, and most people handle normal fears adequately. Now, if you can't handle normal fears adequately, we, we usually say you have a phobia because a phobia is an exaggeration of fear. Uh, phobias can even disable us and cause us to be, un, be unable to function in life. They can, they can overwhelm us in many ways. And a phobia is an abnormal response to a normal fear, or even an invention of an abnormal uh, fear. So and phobias and, and fears are strange things. We can fear all kinds of things. And when you, when you consider uh, what people are afraid of, it's quite interesting. For many years, Ann Landers was a syndicated columnist in newspaper, newspapers across uh, America. She had a, an advice column. 
And during her years of uh, receiving mail from people across the nation, she began to keep a list of what people are afraid of. And she, she writes uh, in, in an article, she says, first of all, there are very bizarre fears about which people have written me, such as the fear of falling in the toilet, the fear of certain colors, the fear of being buried alive, or the fear of calling someone by their given name. She continues, but the most common fears, according to my mail, are the following, and they're listed alphabetically. Animals, bees, being alone, being stared at, blood, blushing, cancer, cats, choking, corpses, crowds, death, darkness, deformity, demons, dirt, dogs, dreams, Elevators, enclosed space, flying, germs, height, horses, illness, insanity, insects, lightning, mice, nakedness, noise, pain, poverty, pregnancy, robbers, school, sexual intercourse, sheep, smothering, snakes, spiders, strangers, surgical operations, syphilis, thunder, travel, vomiting, work, and, of course, worms. And when you look at that, that list, it's just really a, pretty much a list of everyday things in life, right? These are things that we are commonly faced with. But you see, people can have phobias about normal things. And, but people also are often afraid of things that they should not be afraid of, but are not afraid of the things they should be afraid of. Uh, for, for example, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30 says this, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of, of the living God. I mean, that is something to be afraid of. This uh, article by Ann Landers and this verse in Hebrews kind of, I don't know for whatever reason, inspired a poem. I shared it with the people in the, in the first service, asking them, would you think it would be okay to share it with people in the second service where they were live streaming? And... Most of them said, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll share it with you. All right, what makes you feel eerie? Or what are you, uh, what are you leery? What does it take to make you afraid? Someone in the dark with a razor blade? Worms or height or going insane? Elevators, nakedness or illness and pain? Dogs or cat or furry little mice? Dirt and germs or a head full of lice? I'm going to guess spiders and snakes. I'm going to bet that's what it takes. But that's not what it really should be. The advice I give, it's totally free. But I'm sure you'll think it odd. The most frightening thing of all is when the unbelieving fall into the hands of the living God. And if you're going to have an uncontrollable, debilitating fear, it ought to be fear fearing God, being afraid of the judgment of God. Unless you think I'm being too uh, harsh or too going too far, Jesus tells us the very same thing. 
In Luke chapter 12 and verse 5, Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, who is that? That's God. You see, with, with, with all the fears and phobias that people have, here is a fear that we ought to have that we don't have. And ironically, it seems to me that many in the church today are trying to do everything they can so that people do not have that fear of God. They've made God into this benign grandfather, this cosmic good guy, that his job is simply to dispense blessings. Jesus knew his father well, and he said, fear him. See, because after he has killed, he not only has the power to kill you physically, but he has the power to cast you into hell. And I tell you, he says, fear him. And friends, we just read about a day when everybody will have that fear. There's coming a day when people are going to be scared to death of God. Listen to what Luke says in his account of Jesus telling about the end time events. Verse 21 of Luke, chapter, and chapter 21, verse 26, he says, Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. And I want to call your attention to that word fainting because in the Greek, that's, that word is aposuko. And the, the root of that word is suke, psyche. You can hear, uh, we get our word psychiatry or psychology from it. It's a word that literally means soul or breath. And when you put the prefix apo in front of it, it means literally to breathe out your soul. It means to die. Jesus says there's coming a time when men are going to be so scared that they're going to breathe out their souls, that they're going to die from fright. They're going to be scared to death. You see, and when that day comes, people will definitely be scared. Some are going to die on the spot. They'll die from sheer terror because they're going to realize all of a sudden that they have fallen into the hands of the living God. And friend, that is a terrifying thing. And those who survive that initial fear, well, they're going to go crawl under a rock in the caves, and they're going to cry out for those rocks to fall on them and crush them rather than face God personally. You see, what could cause that level of, of fear, of terror, of panic in a person's life? It's the opening of the sixth seal. And the, the dominant force that we see here is terror. And this terror manifests itself in three ways. First, terror will reign through seismic events. Terror will reign through seismic events. Look what he says in verse 12. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. 
He continues in verse 13. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Unlike the first five seals, which involved humans, this seal uniquely involves the judgment of God. God acts alone here. And by the time this seal is opened, remember we are past the midpoint of the tribulation and the world is in that final three and a half years of judgment that Jesus called the great tribulation, the tribulation which will come upon the world and has never been or ever will be like it. And then by this time, the Antichrist has desecrated the temple. We've seen the the abomination of desolation that we saw last week. And the world worships him. And, and, and there's, there's been massive persecution that has broken out of Jews and of people who are followers of Christ. And incredibly, in, in the middle of this turmoil and chaos of divine judgment upon the world, what are people going to do? Well, they're going to do just like we want to do in the middle of a pandemic. We want to go back to normal. They're going to want to go back to everyday life. And Jesus talks about this in in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37. He says, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. See, the warnings of this traumatic event are are coming through the, the first five seals, and then all of a sudden we come to this sixth seal, and it is so devastating, so terrifying, that it will be only attributable to God. Everybody's going to know at that point that this is God. Now, let me put up our graphic here, one more graphic from last week, and reminds you that these seals that we're looking at here, they parallel what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. And so uh, Jesus described the events associated with with the sixth seal in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29. And he says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's exactly what's described here. In Luke's account, Luke adds verse chapter 21 and verse 11. He says, there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. It continues in verse 25. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, probably tsunamis. Men fainting from fear, they're dying from terror and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
And the Old Testament prophets, they continue this. In fact, there are so many uh, references. I, I just chose one. Joel chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, the day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The, the earth quakes and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. Now, there are, there are two primary seismic events that occur during this time. And, and the first is there will be a great shaking of the earth. And he tells us in verse 12 that there was a great earthquake. And the word translated earthquake there is the Greek word seismos, which we're familiar. We get our word seismic from it. And it, and it literally means a great shaking, a violent shaking. And this, this, the shaking that is coming, you see, is here, involves far more than the earth as we've already read. Uh, the, the word earth is not here in earthquake. It just simply says violent shaking. But we know that it does include the earth because he says in verse 14, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. But the cataclysmic event that John sees here, excuse me, and this, excuse me, and this, and this seal is more powerful than anything that has ever, ever been before. There have been many earthquakes recorded in history. And there are going to be many more that occur in the first part of the tribulation, according to Jesus. But God, you know, often made his presence felt by shaking the earth. He, he did that when he gave the law at Mount Sinai. He shook the earth. God did that when his son died on the cross. He shook the earth. And God is going to do that yet again in the world. Earthquakes have always frightened people. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, but there is, I've, I've just been in a mild one, a, a mild tremble. Uh, there is something that's disturbing about having the very foundation that you know shake, to feel that this is what you know is the most stable thing in all of life is the earth itself. And when the earth begins to shake, this can be terrifying. And you know, people have... People are oftentimes very uh, scared after they have been in an, an earthquake. There are times when people will leave the, their homes and they will camp out in the fields uh, for days, for weeks, sometimes for months. Sometimes people leave their, that area altogether if it's earthquake prone. And I remember us working in Haiti and we were working with a group of people where, upon a mountain where they had gone because they had left the city because of the great earthquake in 2010. They wouldn't go back. And uh, it's a terrifying thing. But the terror caused by this earthquake will be incalculably greater than anything previously experienced. Not only that, will it be the, the most powerful earthquake that's ever seen, but it is going to come at an unprecedented time. Because remember, all the people that are, have, are here have endured already wars, worldwide wars. They've endured famines. They've endured pestilence, all of these uh, diseases. They've endured all these kinds of things, and now they're experiencing the, the very earth shaking 
underneath them. And the removal of the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, he's going to unleash Satan and Antichrist. And all of a sudden, all of this putrid stuff is going to be unleashed upon the world. There's going to be immorality and vice and wickedness and and godlessness like you have never seen before. You think what you're seeing now is bad, friends. You haven't seen the beginning. And Antichrist will be worshipped as God and and this false prophet, you see, is going to be proclaiming utopia. Yeah, we've seen all these bad things and all of a sudden now, here's Antichrist. He's the Savior. He's the, he's the Messiah, as it were. And we just need to trust him and follow him. And really all we need to do is to wipe out all these Jews and these Christians that are going around scaring people, telling them about the judgment of God. And if we get rid of those guys, we're in utopia. And then all of a sudden the sixth seal hits. And it becomes immediately apparent to everyone that everything all those people have been preaching is absolutely true. And everyone knows that God is bringing judgment upon the world, and it is truly, for the first time in their lives, terrifying to realize we are under the direct judgment of God Almighty. It all happens in that moment. But there's also, there's another seismic, on the heels of that comes another seismic event. There will be a great shaking in the heavens. Verse 12 says, the, the, the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. Sackcloth is an interesting thing. It's a, it was a garment that was worn by mourners, and it was made out of very rough black hair from, from goats. And it was woven together rather loosely so that when you put it on, it gave a dark appearance. But if you held it up to light, light would filter through it somewhat. But it's very uncomfortable, irritating to wear, a sign of of mourning, of of grief. And here God makes it look as though someone's taken sackcloth and held it up over the sun so that you don't get the full force of the sun. You get a very diluted uh, sense of the sun being there. Uh, Creation scientist Dr. Henry Morris explains what could cause this phenomena. He says this, the, the great earthquake described here for the first time in history is worldwide in scope. Seismologists and geophysicists in recent years have learned a great deal about the structure of the earth and about the cause and nature of earthquakes. The Earth's solid crust is traversed with a complex network of faults with all, the, with all resting upon a plastic mantle whose structure is still largely unknown. Whether the crust consists of a great moving plates is a current matter of controversy among geophysicists. So the ultimate cause of earthquakes is still not known. In all likelihood, the entire complex of, crust, of crustal instabilities is a, is a remnant of the phenomena of the great flood, especially the breakup of the fountains of the great deep. In, in any case, the vast worldwide network of unstable earthquake belts around the world suddenly will begin to slip and fracture on a global basis, and a gigantic earthquake will ensue. 
The, this is evidently and naturally accompanied by a tremendous volcanic eruptions spewing vast quantities of dust and steam and gases into the upper atmosphere. It is probably these that will cause the sun to be darkened and the moon to appear blood red. So all that stuff in the atmosphere is going to affect the, the heavens. And it says in verse 13 that this is not just a, a mere cosmetic effect. He says, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Stars here translates the Greek word asters. And it refers to a heavenly body other than the sun or moon. We get our word asteroid from this. And so obviously in this context, he's not talking about stars as we know them because they're too much too large and they would incinerate the earth before they ever got that close. We also know that the stars are still in place when we get to the fourth trumpet. So this is, this is most likely a reference to asteroids and, and meteors that are going to plummet at, through the atmosphere and, and pummel the earth. Uh, th there's been much speculation about what would happen if an asteroid hit the earth. You, you can see some of these articles and readings, and, and they'll have these uh, graphics showing the destruction that it would do. In fact, la very last week, we had an asteroid that passed very near the earth. And, of course, it, it caused a lot of speculation about what could happen. Many people even wanting to build a, an asteroid uh, uh, shield again for the earth. But you see... When this comes, there are going to be so many of these heavenly bodies, these stars, these asteroids uh, hitting the earth uh, that it's going to be, John says, like a fig tree. And I think here God strikes a blow at the domain of Satan because, remember, he is the prince of the power of the air. I mean, it's, God said, listen, Satan, I'm coming for you, buddy. And... And, and with that, it tells us in verse 14, every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, friends, when a mountain moves, when an island, an entire island moves, you know something is going on. These are, these are cosmic shakings in the world. And, and the whole crust of the earth begins to move and shift. Again, Dr. Morris explains how this could happen. He says the earth's crust, highly unstable ever since the great flood, will be so disturbed by the impacting asteroids, the volcanic explosions, and the worldwide earthquakes that, a great, that great segments of it will actually begin to slip and slide over the earth's deep plastic mantle. Geophysicists for many years have been fascinated with the idea of continental drift. He notes, although strong evidence has been accumulating against any such phenomena occurring in this present age, several have published theories of a past naturalistic catastrophe in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Now, this verse indicates that what is happening on the earth is going to affect all the unbelievers and all people on the earth. Nobody is immune. In fact, he gives us seven categories of people that, en that encompasses all of society. 
the kings of the earth, you know, those are the kings and the queens and the presidents, the, the top heads of, of, uh, throughout the world. The great men are the, the ranking, high-ranking officials of government, you know, your, your senators and your congress and all that. Uh, the, the commanders of the, the military leaders, and while the rich are the people who control commerce and and business and the strong are these are the influential people together. You put them all together, you know what you got? You got the elite of society. And listen, even the most elite of society, even the president, won't have a bunker to go hide in. Nobody is going to have a place to go because the very mountains that they would run into are moving and shifting and, and being disturbed. And ironically, these are the very people who have ignored all the warnings that this is a judgment of God, and now they have come to realize that what is being proclaimed is really true. So, nor will the common people, the lower classes. Nobody's going to escape. It says every slave and free man will be terrified. Everyone. And then finally, terror will result in suicidal panic. He tells us in verse 16 and 17, he says, And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The reaction of the unbelieving world to these terrors unleashed by the sixth seal, will be one not of repentance, but of hysterical panic. And they will, they will finally acknowledge what believers have been saying all along, that this is a judgment from God, but ironically, they will not repent. They'll be like the, the demons that James talk, spoke about. They, 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 they know and they fear, but they don't repent. And the panic-stricken sinners will react foolishly, irrationally. Again, you know what they're going to do? These asteroids are plummeting to the earth, and what are they going to do? They're going to run and try to get into the mountains and the caves to hide themselves from all these things that are happening. They're going to run right into the very place where he's already uh, falling and, uh, and being disturbed, and no doubt... Uh, the 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 light of, on the earth is going to be it's going to be dark and it's going to just be an incredibly uh, crazy thing with all the volcanic eruptions happening and the tsunamis that are coming from the earthquakes it will be absolute chaos and people will be terrified everywhere it's going to prompt a a worldwide prayer meeting only they're not going to pray to God. They're going to pray to Mother Nature. And they're going to say to the rocks, fall on us, crush us. We would rather die in the rocks than face God personally. There, there, there's only one problem. Death cannot provide an escape from divine judgment. Talk about jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. When you, when you face death as an unbeliever, you are leaving a physical death and jumping into eternal hell. 
This is a terrifying thing. And he says, the one who sits on the throne. You know who that is? Well, that's God. And, and they will have, by then, this clear understanding that this is God bringing judgment upon them. And more specifically, they fear the wrath of the Lamb. And they call this the great day of wrath. God is personally bringing judgment directly upon the earth. Terrifying. And the scene closes with a rhetorical question. Who can stand? Who can escape divine judgment? And the answer is no one. No one. Everyone will face the judgment of God. Friend, you will face the judgment of God. Here's the good news. There is a place where you can go to escape the judgment of God. There is a rock that will not move. There is the rock of ages. There is a cleft for you. You know what a cleft is? It's a place in the rock, a a shielding, a safe place. There is a safe place for you. And I'll tell you, it's in the rock of ages, not the rock of the earth, but the rock of ages. And I'll tell you why it's safe. It's safe because the Lamb of God has purchased that for you. The Lamb of God has already taken all the wrath and all the judgment of God upon himself. He's already endured it. The night before he was crucified, he sweated tear or sweated blood because he was in anticipating of all the wrath of the world that was going to be poured out upon him and yet he willingly went to that cross and he suffered there the wrath of God for the world and friend if you will turn from your sin and turn to him he will be your rock and he will be your cleft The truth is you can hide yourself only in Jesus Christ. But I have one final warning. Listen, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God.